Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. For a radio audience tuning in to WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, it's tuning in to our online affiliates around the world. We're glad you all could be with us as well. We're excited to welcome author N.L. Holmes to our broadcast today as we're celebrating October for National Book Month. We're going to talk to N.L. not only about the new book, Flowers of Evil, but also what it's been like for her to be able to take stories, to be able to entertain, but also, of course, to be able to take us on a journey as well. If you guys are just now finding out about the book Flowers of Evil, of course, we'll let you guys know how to be able to get your own copy of the book as well and stay connected with NL as well. Also, we want to say to those who are joining us on the online side of our broadcast, if you guys do come in late, don't feel bad. You all can be able to catch the replay at the end of our broadcast as well. NL, thank you so much again for the time. Really appreciate you stopping by. Thanks. It's always a pleasure to be here. So congratulations on the new book, Flowers of Evil, as I mentioned, of course, just in time for National Book Month. What has it been like for you in LB to see the, the response to the book so far? I, I'm sorry. I lost your connection for just a moment there. Oh, yeah, sure. No, I, I was just, just asking what has it been like for you to see the response to the book so far? Oh, well, I'm I'm glad that fans of the Lord Hani series are interested in pursuing uh, the adventures of his daughter, so uh, it's that's good, and it's gotten good critical reviews, which are always pleasing. Yeah. For yourself, I mean, was it something that you always knew you wanted to do, NL, when it comes to the daughters, be able to share a bit of their own journey as well, of course, see how they're able to navigate the world, especially when it comes to mysteries? Well, I I don't think I had really given it much thought at first because Nefret was seven years old when the Hani series began, and so she was fun, but, you know, didn't have much potential yet. But mm-hmm. as time went on, her character developed, and uh, she became a favorite with readers and, and somebody I myself found interesting. So I thought it would be uh, fun for her to to carry on the investigations that she would have watched her father doing all through her life. Yeah. And I think that's it. And, of course, being able to have that curiosity, but also a bit of fearlessness. Talk to us about that when you first started writing these books in NL. I mean, did you always know that, that, that the idea of writing a mystery, having a mystery series, was something that would be appealing? Not really. I, I grew up in a family that was deeply into books. and my My father wrote short stories for Boy's Life and my mother, my aunt uh, was the book editor of the local newspaper, so it was always out there as something that interested me. But I, I don't think I really thought about it as a profession personally. My cousin became a, a novelist. Um, she wrote young people's books, and maybe that's what made me start thinking. There were so many episodes I'd encountered in the classroom teaching ancient history yeah. that you know it, they were too obscure to write much as a historiographer, but there was loads of possibility for a fiction writer, and so I I think that's why I finally slid into that slot. Yeah. 
And now, of course, you have readers that only enjoy where you're able to take them, but also, of course, um, the characters themselves as well. I want to talk about the daughters for a moment uh, in Flowers of Evil because it's great to be able to see, for one, the idea of them wanting to be able to find justice, but also realizing at an interesting time um, what may be possible for them or may not be possible for them, depending on the opposition they may face. Talk to us about how this book began for you. How did you decide where you want to set it, but also the story that would unfold? Well, the setting sort of developed out of the Lord Hani mysteries, which were um, had a sort of political arc. They began with the, uh, the death of Akhenaten's predecessor and his coming to the throne and then ran through all of the tumultuous period of his religious and social upheaval, and then uh, ended as his son came to the throne, and his his reforms, if you want to call them that, began to be rolled back. So that's where this picks up. So there is much less of that political um, content in this series. It's it's more just a straight, cozy mystery with a dollop yeah. of, of family drama, uh, which also followed on from the Hani series. Yeah. And what about, I mean, you mentioned, of course, the historical part there. What about the spiritual part of it? What was it like for you to kind of bring that into this book and to kind of prepare us for this and how the book began as what we should know about the time period? Well, the uh, the upheavals of Akhenaten, which colored the, the Hani series, had primarily to do, although not exclusively, to do with religion, uh, he particularly attacked the cult of Amun-Ra, the great Theban god that had become the national god of Egypt. And uh, this is a, a cult with which Hani's family was closely associated. His wife was um, a chantress, a, a kind of priestess. Her brother was a, a high priest in that cult. So it, it hit their family particularly hard. And they they were then all enthusiastic about the restoration of, of the cult of this the hidden one, as they would have called him. Uh, and so I, I think it probably would have been a little shocking and disappointing to them that this case that she uncovers uh, with the murder of a florist who was a lay employee at the Temple of Amun-Ra, that it showed corruption in the priesthood. And they had all worked so hard to get these men reinstated. It was it was one of those deep disappointments that we all hit from time to time where you're sort of disillusioned by the way things play out. Yeah. I think there's also the sense of discovery that the, that the daughters uh, have in Flowers of Evil in NL, but also the feeling that maybe their, their father has not told them, you know, everything that they – may feel like they need to know. Is that part of the family dynamics that you wanted to kind of unfold in this book as the mystery kind of unveils, and they have their own questions, not only about what's happening around them, but also about what they've been told? Well, you know, I think that's one of the grievances of every young generation, isn't it, that their parents didn't didn't warn them what was going to be out there. But the fact is that parents try to warn them, and somehow without the personal experience. It just doesn't percolate in, and mm-hmm. as a, as a mother and a and a former former child, I can testify to that. So, Nefret yeah. um, in particular is a, is a she's a stubborn sort of self confident, headstrong person, and 
I think her parents probably told her a whole lot about life that she didn't absorb or didn't listen to, wanting to do it herself. And so then, like every young person, eventually she has to learn through her experience. And and that, too, is in part very disillusioning. I mean, she's led a sheltered life. Everyone in her family is very loving and um, good, and here she's thrown into a a sinful world where people murder people and and do bad mm-hmm. things. So so there's a kind of yeah you're right there's a kind of coming of age episode in here too. Yeah, I think too, and I'm just going to talk around this, Anel, but I I think you'll get what I'm talking about. I think there's also the idea of well because I read it thinking two things. Uh, one, yes, there's a protection aspect there. Um, but also the idea of some things just have to be discovered on your own, right? I mean, some things, right. you know, that you, you can't be told everything. You can't be made to understand everything. Some things you have to experience or you won't believe it or won't even know how to deal with it. Did you come out of Flowers of Evil feeling like that with these daughters, that they, because of what they'd gone through, because of what they'd learned, it made them more equipped for what was to come? I think that's really definitely true, and and that's true to life too. If my experience has meant anything, uh, there these women are young women are both uh, physicians, they're doctors, and yet their their view of the world is very naive. And so I think being exposed to evil, uh, experiencing some malice for the first time in their life, and this is truer of Nefret than uh, her partner Benner is. She probably does come out of it more understanding, more compassionate. And I've I've thrown in the character of Mutui, this 13-year-old orphan that the the two young women have adopted and made their uh, apprentice, who who had suffered, well, being made an orphan and also being uh, abandoned by her mother. She had suffered, and it you know it is it's left some unpleasant marks on her personality. And I think Nefret is constantly torn between compassion and irritation with this girl. Yeah. So everything she experiences and learns will help her deal with Mutui. Yeah. There's a great line that Nefret says um, that I love, and that is, we have to prove ourselves every moment. And I made a note of that because I thought that was so interesting because I think, again, there is that idea of, for one, you know, learning and growing, but also realizing the responsibility that comes with that and what are you going to do with it. Uh, and I think that's one of the interesting things that we definitely see for sure. So I want to ask you about um, the, the time period that you write in, because I went into this book thanks to the introduction, kind of knowing what to expect and where it was being said, and kind of that kind of helped me with a lot of things there. Uh, NL, uh, is this a time period that you just feel a lot of comfort and connection with? Well, it, it was particularly interesting in the transition, the, the, the bumpy road across the reign of Akhenaten. And this is sort of the, the calm on the other side of the storm. So in, in that respect, I think um, readers of the Hani series will have been exposed to an awful lot of stuff going on then that they will recognize from modern American uh, political and and uh, medical history. I mean, there's a plague going on, for example. So, yeah, I think I think it is a time that appealed to me because of it was because of the turmoil and because of the similarities with modern day, and also because ancient Egypt was a 
a, a culture in which women had a, a great deal of visibility. They were by no means equal to men, but they yeah. they were able to do something with their lives in a way that wouldn't have been possible in most contemporary societies. So, you know, they are able to be women doctors, even if at first no one takes them seriously and and so right. on. I found that attractive. Um, you are on social media the way all of us are. Talk to us about that. That's a totally different time period than what you write about. <laughs> you know, I mean, what has that been like for you to navigate that world when it comes to social media and connect with people that way? Oh, well, that's been a little rocky. <laughs> it's, um, I, I'm not a high-tech person, but, you know, the idea of, of connections which and, and rapidity, it's, it's everything is so much faster today than... Yeah. And this is something I've kind of wanted to leave a flavor of in readers' minds, the the fact that travel took so long and just to send a message, somebody had to run and take the message. Uh, if you wanted to go 30 miles, it took you 10 hours by foot, not, you know, half an hour in your car. So mm-hmm. all of this really impacted what they could accomplish in a lifetime the kind of relationships they had. Everything was slow and deep rather than fast and superficial. Right. And and that's a huge contrast with today's world where we speak of friends on the Internet that we've never even met. It, um, so I'm just throwing out there, you know, an alternative lifestyle. People see that it's perfectly uh, possible to live <laughs> without all our, our instantaneous stuff going on. Yeah. Great point. Great lessons and great reminders, I think, for all of us, right? And, and even though, of course, we can see, you know, what can be the benefits, but also, of course, there are, uh, as your characters see, there are, of course, dangers, in, in, you know, around the corners that we have to be careful of uh, and making sure we're aware of that. Inel Holmes has been our guest. Her new book is Flowers of Evil. Really appreciate you stopping by the broadcast today. How can our viewers and listeners stay connected with you? Well, I suppose my website would be the first place to go, and that is www.nlholmes.com. Right. We'll make sure that we link that up for our audience as well. The book's available through our friends at Amazon.com as well, so make sure you guys do take advantage of that. Uh, NL, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate you stopping by and looking forward to speaking with you again. My pleasure. Look forward to it. And we thank you, our audience, for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webster. As always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and it's going to make today amazing. Take care.